So go over, oh, I have debated about where to start. You don't know where to start? Not always. <laughs> let's, let's go to Genesis chapter 8. Last week, now we've been talking, this is the fifth teaching since I began at the Lord's, I believe at the Lord's direction, talking about the believer's covenant of increase. You and I have a covenant right to increase. And to not increase is a violation of our covenant. Amen. Now don't beat yourself up. Amen. But I'm just saying it ought to be a good news thing to you. You and I have a covenant right. It's not just something that God wants or desires. We have a covenant right to be fruitful, to multiply, to increase, to have a whole lot more than what we need. Now, y'all, I know it's the end of the day here, but it helps me if you'll say amen and amen. respond. Amen. Hallelujah. And so we've talked uh, a number of weeks about that. This is lesson number five. And, but if you were here last week, you remember that we were talking about how, beginning to talk about how increase comes. Now, first of all, it, and this is a big thing, uh, but I'm just, I'm endeavoring to focus on what the Lord is inspiring me to talk about. But we have to make sure that we are qualified. Now, Jesus qualified us by dying for us. Yeah. Amen. Amen. But we, we do have to walk in the light of certain things so that we're living our life in that hula hoop. Amen. Of the perfect will of God of our, uh, for our lives so that there's nothing hindering God from being able to bless us like he wants to, to establish his covenant with us in the earth. Amen. And that we've got doors closed so that the enemy doesn't have access to strike our life. You know, in Job's life, the enemy kept poking around Job's hedge till he found an opening. The opening he found was an open door of fear. Amen. You know, in any given battle, most of the time it's the fear associated with it that's the bigger thing. Right? I had one lady, I remember her testimony, she said... Um, she said uh, she was diagnosed with stage four cancer, and she said it wasn't the believing for my healing that was the biggest battle. It was keeping the fear out. Well, fear comes in many forms, and a lot of times if, there's, if the pressure and the circumstance gets hot enough, there's fear associated with that. There's a lot of fear associated with money. The fear of losing homes, fear of losing possessions, fear of, fear of someday not having enough. Fear, fear, fear about a certain season in your life, like old age or whatever. Amen? But isn't it good to know, according to Philippians 4.19, that for the believer who walks in the light, amen, who has a man of God and who is a partner who qualifies for Philippians 4.19, that there will never be another need ever again that doesn't already have a supply. Amen? amen. Glory to God. You got to get that in you. I don't know what needs will come. I know the needs will only going to get bigger in my life. But I know because of what the word of God says, I'll never meet a need that God doesn't already have the supply set aside for it. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we saw that one of the things about um, how increase is going to come is Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18. Now we're here in Genesis chapter 8. And there it says, you shall remember the Lord your God. For it is he that gives you power to get wealth. Isn't that a thrilling verse? Yeah. Amen. Amen. The God's word translation goes on and says, you know, that, 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 that he might establish his covenant in the earth. It is still in force today. Yes. 
That covenant is still in force today. Hallelujah. Well, how is wealth, abundance going to come into our life? By God giving you the power to produce it. He's not going to rain money. Dollar bills are not going to come floating down from heaven through the Kentucky sky onto your lawn. That is not how it's going to happen. We have to understand, you know, the Bible says that uh, the children of Israel knew God's, what he did, his acts. But Moses knew him differently. Moses knew God's ways. And if you really want to live at God's highest and best, you can't just know and observe what God has done. But you have to learn about his ways. We need to learn his ways. His ways of doing things. And then cooperate with him in those ways. Well, one of God's ways in the area of increase is that uh, he's going to give you power to create wealth. Amen. You know what that means in short? It means work. That's what it means. It means work. Not toil, not drudgery, not giving yourself to something you hate. Amen. Really work for the believer ought to be the walking out of our divine assignment. The, our work should be part of our worship. Amen. We're going to learn this in mentoring in a deep way if you'll come. Amen. And uh, work ought to be uh, the ongoing, ever-increasing outflow or outward display of you reaching your full potential in God. For for your blessing and for the blessing of people that you're working with and around. You're contributing something to this world. You know... uh, I wrote this down in my notes today. So the law of sowing and reaping is not in the kingdom of God to get you out of work. Well, if I just give enough, if I just give in the offering, I won't have to work because I'm going to have a harvest because I gave it. You found out that's, that's not how that works. But a lot of Christians, especially in spirit filled word of faith circles, they, they just got this idea that the law, if I work this law of sowing and reaping, it's going to get me out. I can sit on my couch all day. No, that's not God's plan. I said, that's not God's plan. Then God said something just to rehearse a little bit from last week. He said something that just thrilled me. He said, would you like to see Deuteronomy 8.18 restated in the New Testament? I said, Shazam, yes, I would. Amen. Because people tell you all the time, well, that's in the Old Testament. Amen. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, amen, around verse 8 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, no, I'm, that's chapter 8. It says, For God is able to make all grace abound toward you, so that you, having all sufficiency in all things, might be furnished in abundance. Amen. You have no need of outside aid or support. You're self-sufficient, and you're able to give toward every good's work. Now, why did that happen? Because... It does talk earlier in those verses about being a generous giver and being a bountiful sower. But what happens after you sow, this believer is what I'm trying to drive into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit is after they sowed that seed, amen, God, he didn't cause money to come. He caused grace to abound. Grace is God's ability in you and on you and through you. So the sowing of that seed, amen, 
doesn't trigger a vending machine in heaven where $100 bills are going to rain out of the sky into your bank account. That's not how this works. You sowed the seed and God responded with grace. In other words, all that great, grace is all that God gives. All that God gives. So he gives ability. He gives divine ideas. He opens doors no man can shut. But there's nothing in God giving grace that, that excuses us, you know, allows us to be lazy. Or bad stewards of the natural, our natural resources. You with me? So here in Deuteronomy, or not Deuteronomy, Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, Noah is fresh off the boat, and God is talking to him. And one of the things he says in this chapter is, never again will God destroy the earth with water. He, never, he didn't say he wouldn't destroy the earth again, but he said he would not do it with water. He also said he's not going to destroy every living creature anymore for man's sake. That's The animals went, thank God, you know, and all that. But skip all the way down to verse 22, last verse in the chapter. Genesis 8, 22. While the earth remains. Well, is it here? It is. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Cold and heat. Summer and winter. Day and night shall not cease. Well, obviously we get night and day, day and night, summer and winter, the seasons, cold and heat. And, uh, but notice seed time and harvest shall not cease. So I want to talk to you for a few minutes here tonight about how to harvest. How to harvest. You interested in that? This church has been so Faithful, the lion's share of its people over the years to give. Amen. Amen. To good times and bad times, to bring, to honor God with their tithe, to support and fund their local church, to sow seed to projects, missionaries, the widow, the single moms, everything that we bring up. Not everybody, but most people, they get involved on some level, and their, or their heart is too. I had one precious gal. The youth were having their taco fundraiser and so precious, just kind of stuff that just blesses you. And she, she wanted to give toward that and have a meal. That's how we were blessing the youth that day. But then I had also brought up something about India. And she had $20. That's what she had. She had $20. And... Uh, she said, I want to I contribute to both, but I don't know how to do that and break this $20. I said, listen, honey, you go sow that and they'll make change. They'll make change for you at the youth thing. And you just put the rest in an envelope. Now, I'll tell you what, that is precious. Yes, it is. You know, you appreciate someone who gives $1,000, but they have 100 extra 1000 mm-hmm. yeah. But someone who's got 20 that's what they have. And they give it all. That's precious. It's precious to me. And though I have been somewhat criticized by a few, whatever, I really do want you to have your harvest. More than that, God is stomping his foot. He is the Lord of the harvest. 
And he wants you to harvest. But he needs his people to understand what that is and what that looks like. Amen. So I did it again today. I, I thought, I'm going to look up the word harvest. You think you just know. I've got a college degree. You know, I'm 51 years old. I know what harvest means. But I learned something today. Amen. I learned it. And so again, from Noah Webster, what a, what a great man of God. This is his definition of harvest. Harvest is the season of reaping and gathering. It's the season of, re, of reaping and gathering like in corner other crops. Amen. Then number two, he said, harvest is the ripe corn or grain collected and secured in barns or stacks. Okay. Who collects harvest? Now, I don't see Brother Larry tonight, um, but the last several years, we've gone out, my son and I and some others, to help him harvest his hay. Well, there are, when we arrive, there are hay bales on the ground. How'd that get there? Well, Larry sowed seed. Larry took care of his soil and his ground. But God blessed that seed. He protected it from all that would destroy it. To get to harvest, you got to keep the pests away and the weeds from taking it over. Right? You don't just not mow and get hay. You, that's just not how that works. Because I, I did try that on my place. I had someone look out, you know, and out here, and they go, "Well, there's a, it looks like stuff out there, but you wouldn't want to feed that to your animals." Oh, it's been infiltrated with stuff, right? But God calls that seed that He sowed to multiply, and He rained His sun on it. And he caused rain to come and he kept all the pests away and protected it so that there would come this moment where it's time to cut. Amen. When it's time to cut, there is a harvest because Larry and God worked together. Larry did his part and God did his part. And there is a harvest. But we don't sit there under the shade on Larry's farm and drink lemonade and watch the angels stack it in the barn. We, in the heat of the day, go and use muscle and work and labor to collect and to gather and to store. That is what it means to harvest. And that's your job. It is not God's job to harvest your harvest. It is his job to make sure you have one. If you've sown. If you've worked the other laws of the kingdom. I, let me know by the raising of your hand. Don't shout me down. If you're following me here. Are you following me? Am I making sense? Amen. Now listen to Noah Webster's third definition that he gives for the word harvest. It, he says the word harvest means it is the product of labor. Harvest is the product of labor. It is fruit. 
or fruits. Now, I would add to what he said here, harvest is what is produced. Harvest is the fruit of being fruitful, being productive with God's help. Harvest isn't walking around with a basket catching $20 bills that the angels are dropping on them. That is not what harvest is. I love that. Harvest is the product of labor. Number four, he said it means fruit or fruits. It means effects. Harvest is the, the, the hay on the ground was the effect of Larry and God doing their thing. Harvest is the consequence of what they did for many weeks and months. So, again, when we sow our seed, God gives grace. He imparts grace. He blesses the work of your hands. One of the things that he could do is God gives ideas. God gives concepts. God imparts insights. Right? So rather than coming to the church in a desperate moment in that season and saying, I have to have $40,000, I didn't have to do that. Because, now we had been sowing. Sowing seed into Dr. Dufresne's building projects. We deserve a harvest. We harvested $40,000 by wiping it off the books with a whisper of wisdom. But that came by me and God working together. Are you with me? Glory to God. Hope I'm making sense. And then Noah Webster says, fifthly and lastly, in his definition for the word harvest, he says, in Scripture, harvest signifies the proper season for business. Mm. Harvest is a season, a season for business. So I'm going to read to you again my two favorite, sorry, my two favorite definitions are the, that harvest is the product of labor. Amen? In other words, someone who follows a dream and pays the price and pursues and does an apprentice and they follow God and they sow seed and they work all the principles and they say, someone asks them, how did you come in? How did you attain all this? He said, this is the fruit of all my labor. He could have said harvest. This is the produce. This is the product of all that I did before. Amen. Now, when, I'm, when I begin to talk about this and talk about work, listen, I'm not talking about the work you're acquainted with. I'm talking about a work you love doing. Not work you hate doing. You see, before the fall, Adam had work to do. God put him in that garden to tend it, to keep it, to guard it, to be fruitful, to multiply. But after the fall, when the curse was pronounced, he got pushed out of that environment and said, your curse, man, is that now you're going to have to toil. You're going to have to toil to make the ground. You're going to have to eat by the sweat of your brow. 
That's not the kind of work I'm talking about. I'm talking about hearing from heaven. Where do I belong? What do you want me doing? What do you want me pursuing? What do you want me to put my hand to? And then you go to do that and you don't forget God when you do that, but you bring him in on all of that. So, you know, if I knew this, what I know now, and I was back in a territory selling copy equipment, huh? watch out. Had I known then what I know now, because I get my car by myself as a salesperson and go, all right, God, you and me today, who's ripe? Where's my harvest? You know where my harvest is. What account do I need to go pursue? What door do I need to knock on? I'm believing you to lead me. I'm believing you to guide me. I'm believing you to prosper me and favor me. And then you go in and you talk, you, you go into these business owners and then they've got some sort of a production uh, problem with their printing and all of that. And you get the wisdom of God. Amen. Come on, right? You go, hold on a minute. I'm going to be back next Thursday and I'll have your answer to that. I'll, I'll have your answer. And you have no idea. You have no idea. You're not in their business. But you go and, and you pray 30 minutes in the Holy Ghost. You pray, Father, thank you. Yes, what Daniel did. Daniel the king, or not the, you know, he was serving that king. The king had a problem, had a dream. He didn't know. He said, just wait a minute. Just chill. Give me 24 hours. And he went to God and he appealed to God. And you want to know why God gave him that answer? Because he asked. Because he asked. And he went back into that king, gave him the answer. And you know what he ended up doing? Getting promoted. He got paid. See, we're not, we're leaving here and we're not tapping into the grace and the power to prosper. Amen. If you're a teacher, you be an innovative Holy Ghost teacher. How can we teach this generation of young people in this environment? It can be done. Right? We have many nurses. Come on. You, you've got such a natural gift and bent and wonderful thing you do. But bringing God in on it in a, even in a stronger way, in a greater way. Come on. And you don't have to be screaming up and down the halls in other tongues, being weird about it. No, but I'm just saying, you see what I mean? I'm, there's a mindset here that, that we need to have. I'll just quote this, but this is a familiar verse for us in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 9. Paul said, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. In verse 9, he goes on and says, And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we, we shall reap. It did not say, don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, God will make it all happen by himself without you. But that's how we read it. That's how we read it. Notice in those, those phrases in verse 7 and 9, he shall, we shall. He shall, we shall. Amen. 
You know what that translates to for you and for me? I shall. I shall. Everyone say that out loud. I shall. I sowed. I shall reap. I shall. I'm a harvester. I said I'm a harvester. You're a harvester. I'm a sower, but I'm a harvester. I'm a reaper. I'm a producer. Glory to God. And I don't have to do that on my own. God gives me power. God gives me ability. I have his anointing on my life to prosper. Talking about you. Amen. There's an answer to whatever you're facing. There's a way, there's a path. Remember what I said last week? That God never multiplies something you don't have to bless you. Well, I tried that, it doesn't work. Stop trying it and do it. Live the word of God. People say that to me about healing all the time. That healing stuff you preach doesn't work. It's working for me. I said, it's working for me. It's working for a lot of people I know. God's not failing on his side. He's not making his word good for a few of us and ignoring the rest of us. The question should not be an accusation against the word. The question, the humble question should be, Father, what am I doing? Or what am I not doing that is preventing you from prospering me? Not in a condemning way, not in a self-accusing way, but in an honest and humble way. That's how you get, that's how you get help. That's how you get answers. Amen. But did you, did you see as I quoted those verses, it says, he shall reap. We shall reap. Amen. Y'all still here? You've gone home. Turn with me to Proverbs. If you don't like this, you're not going to like this even more. <laughs> Glory to God. But, you know, the body of Christ, you know, I was telling, uh, I had the opportunity to go to Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana for Pastor Jordan Jacobs, and he's formed a team in their church. They actually approached him. Business owners, entrepreneurs, generous-hearted and minded people. And they said, we, we'd like to get together and just talk about, you know, the Word and pray, and, but we'd like to be more in the know if you'd permit it, Pastor, about certain needs the church might be facing. He said, really? Yeah, really. He said, okay then. Well, they started getting together and about having a big breakfast fellowship on Saturday and they get around the Word and they talk and and, and but a need, you know, it's funny how a need arose. Last summer, he, he was telling me their heat and air conditioning, a good part of their system, went out. $45,000. He called those people in. He said, Well, you said you wanted to know. I'll just let you know. I'm not, I'm not asking you to do anything, but I'll just let you know. It's going to take $45,000 to fix this heat and air. You know, that team took about, you know, the church helped a little bit. They didn't have to go to the congregation about it as a whole. Those people just stepped up. I like that. I like that. But so he had invited me to talk to that group. And uh, hallelujah. And uh, I, I was talking to him about just some of these things, how the body of Christ has heard preachers sincere for so long get up and talk about the offering. And that's right to do. 
and then talk about how they participate in the kingdom of God. And they'll get up and talk about how they sowed a seed and then somebody walked up and handed them a check for $2,500 or $1,200 or something like that. And time permitting, we'll, we'll get into that in a minute, but we'll go deep into it in the mentoring class. And, and, but the people had this idea, oh, okay, I get that. Okay, so I'm going to sow my seed. And they're walking around expecting someone to give them $2,500. Well, God could certainly do it. But you know, I asked those people in that room, there's about 35 of us in that room. And I said, how many of you, that's your flow. I'm not saying it happened once again like on your birthday. But you sow seed, you sow offerings, and you're in a regular flow of people coming to give you money. You know how many hands I got? Zero. Well, is it working for the preacher, but not for the... People get to thinking, well, it's because this works for him because he's a preacher. He's up front. You know, he gets attention. No, the preacher is partaking of what I write about in my book, what I call in my book on the prosperous journey, the blessing of the priesthood. The way God has chosen to fund his ministers is not the same way he's chosen to fund the laity. But it's the laity's fault because we haven't properly made the distinction between kings and priests. I'm called to the ministry. I I don't get to do what you do. I don't get to get up on Monday morning and just think about making money and bringing home the bacon. You can do that all day long. I cannot. God has chosen. I didn't ask for it. He chose to separate me to the ministry. I have to visit the prisoner. I have to go to the hospital. I have to pray. I have to call people. I have to correct people. I have to encourage people. I have to cry with people. I have to laugh with people. I have to do counseling. I have to teach. I have to run the church. I got to pray. I got to study my Bible. I cannot be out there moving and shaking and money making all day. And the Bible says in the New Testament that you should not muzzle the ox talking about the preacher while he's treading out the corn. The next verse says those that preach the gospel should live from or out of the gospel. So I do. I am in this flow. It is a regular thing for me that I'll sow seed. I'll just give and live that giving generous lifestyle. Y'all with me? Is this okay? And money comes to me. And God could do it. He could. Amen. But let, let, let me ask you, is that your flow? Are you in that flow? Is that working for you? I got zero hands. You want to know why? You're not in the priesthood in that way. I'm a priest. You're a king. You know what the kings in Israel, you know what they did? They went out and fought battles. They went out and collected spoils. They got out and engaged them. Think of Solomon, all the trade. He did deals for fir trees and deal for cedar trees and spices. And, and he, he ran, th- he was over the military and conquests. And the king, that atmosphere is over all the economy of the nation. Right? But the priests were not that. The priests were not that. They were devoted to the service of the tabernacle, facilitating worship, praying with people. Visiting the widow, making sure that they were doing the preaching. 
But you know what? There's this, and I didn't mean to get in this. I wanted to say this for mentoring, but the kings and the priests need each other. Jehoshaphat, the king, before he went to battle, he sought the end. He wanted the mind of God and the blessing of God from the prophet. And it was the priest and the prophet that taught the king the ways of God, the word of God in that day. Uh, you know, what was the mind of God? And before David, before David went out and fought a battle, he'd go to Nathan the seer or to the minister and say, what does God say? Is, is this, is this what something I ought to do? And you know, the priest would say, the prophet would say, this is the word of the Lord. Go kick butt, take names. God's with you. So they would go out and they would conquer and they would do trade and they would expand the kingdom and they would engage in commerce. And you know what they did when they got back? They filled, all the, they filled their own treasury with all their spoil. That's what they did. And that's what, that was God's plan. They took, all, they, they, took all, they took all the treasury, the money, and put it in their own treasury, the king's treasury. But then you know what they did with it? They tithed on it. They gave offerings. Thus funding the work of the ministry. Your anointing is not my anointing. I'm not that smart. God's been dealing with me about this. You're owed a harvest. But listen, giving money in the offering is not magic. It's not magic. David wanted to build God a temple. God said, no. You're a man of war. You've got blood on your hands. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can fund it. Yeah. And you're a funder, and you're a funder, and you're a funder, and you're, right? Yes. Now, in the New Testament, we're all kings and priests. That's Revelation chapter 1, verse 6. We're all kings and priests unto God. However, in our corporate calling, we're either more priestly, or kingly in our anointing. Amen. That's good. The laity has a kingly anointing on them on. to go out there and fight battles and engage in trade, engage in commerce, and then fill up your treasury with it. But please, tithe on that. <laughs> but see, the church is just, you know, we've been living on bake sales, and rummage sales. Listen, that's not going to fund. I said, I'm sorry, that's not going to fund ministry airplanes. That's not going to buy stage lights. That's not going to fund TV time. We need paymasters. We need, I need kings to rise. But kings haven't been told that they were kings. They haven't recognized. And what we've done, we've, we've relegated 95% of the body of Christ as churchcomers and spectators. Now you do, when you come to church, your role here in the church, that's your priestly call. When you leave here, that's your kingly call. That's your kingly call. And you're anointed to be a king. you got to recognize who you are. And the priests need to recognize the kings. And you understand, just because you're a king, you still need a priest. Sheep need a shepherd. 
There's this divine partnership. This is why the Lord will have me at times put my hands on you and go, be blessed. That's a a function of the priesthood. You need that. Think about it. Abraham was a king walking throughout the land. And he had guns and weapons and soldiers. And he also had cows and silver and gold and trade. Amen. And he went and fought five other kings, wicked kings. He won. He took all the spoil. And you know what he did? He went straight to his priest. Think about that. He went straight to his priest and brought the tithe. Oh, that's just, there's just so much here. You get to Proverbs. I'm going to preach for no more than five more minutes. And then if you want me to pray the prayer of agreement with you, I'm going to. Amen. But, but we have to understand, you are a harvester. You're in business with God. Amen. So Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 to 8 in the Lexham English translation. We are instructed. Kings are instructed. Everyone say, I'm a king. I'm a king. Go to the ant. Lazy. Lazy bones. Consider its ways, the ant's ways, and be what? Wise. It has, the ant has no chief, no officer, no ruler, no mama standing over their bed saying, get up, it's time to go to work. In the summer, it prepares its food. I missed the last phrase of that when I copied that. Look, listen, let me quote to you the New Living Translation. Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise, though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work. They labor hard all summer. They labor hard all summer. And it says, now notice what else they do. Gathering food for the winter. Summer is harvest time. It's the season for business. Listen, get this. This is a Bible principle. If you don't do the right thing in your harvest season, your summer season, when winter comes, you won't have enough. And you'll be going, I sowed, I sowed, I sowed, I sowed. But you didn't gather, 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 gather. You thought God was going to magically do that for you. And people like that, especially of a certain age, you end up just having to help them. Yep. There's a summer season in your life. There's a winter season in your life. And if you're going to enjoy winter season in your life, you better have done the right thing in the summer season of your life. Amen. The New King James, let's turn to Proverbs 10 real quick. Proverbs 10, got to hurry. Proverbs 10. Verse 5 says, He who gathers in summer is a wise son. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. Can you sleep right through your harvest? All the while looking at God, where's the money, where's the money? And sleep through your harvest? The Bible says you can. The message paraphrase says this, make hay while the sun shines. 
That's smart. Go fishing during harvest? That's stupid. <laughs> Listen, when the occasion for harvest is right, harvest. Now quickly, let's close in Numbers chapter 18. Well, I hope you're getting, I hope I'm making sense. Numbers 18. Say this out loud while you're turning. I'm a sower and I'm a reaper. I'm a giver and I'm a receiver. I'm a planter and I'm a harvester. Amen. Numbers 18. We'll close right here. How many tribes of Israel were there? Twelve of them. How many did God separate of those tribes to the ministry? One. I don't know what that percentage is, but it's a small percentage. Right? We know those were the sons of Aaron, the tribe of Levi. Let's listen to what God says here about them. In Numbers 18, verse 10, And the Lord spoke unto Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in the land. That doesn't sound good. Neither shall you have any part among them, among the other 11. Then notice what he says. I am your part. And your inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Levi. What? Come on, guys. You with me? Oh, I'm in, I'm in Numbers, Numbers 18, verse 20. Did I say 10? It looked like 10. Here I am again from Sunday. Numbers 18, verse 10, 20, 20. I'm sorry. Did you see it? Okay. Forgive me again. And the Lord spoke unto Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land. Neither shall you have any part among them. I am your part. And your inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Levi. Is he talking to the other 11 tribes right now? Nope. All the tithe or the tenth. Tenth is tithe. He gave it to them all. And that's good news for me. I don't take near all the tithe that comes into this church. And I'm not going to. But look at what this says. God gave the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance, for their service with which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle, <clears throat> the congregation of Israel. Skip down to the last part of verse 23. That among the children of Israel, they have no inheritance. So do you see how God was going to fund the ministers? He was going to fund the ministers... From the tithe. Where's that tithe coming from? From the other 11. Okay, quickly. What about the other 11 tribes? That's the vast majority of God's covenant people. 11 out of 12 tribes. How are they going to be funded? They had to go fight. They had to go fight and take the land. And then as Joshua led them in cooperation with God... They divided up the land. So now you've got, say, the tribe of Reuben. And Reuben is in the mountainous area where they have 
gold veins and copper veins and, and ore in abundance. They have forests and trees. What are they supposed to do? We'll just give the Levites some money and then go on vacation and all the, all the money's going to come because the priest said so. No, they're supposed to mine the gold. They're supposed to be blacksmiths and tradesmen engaging commerce and kick butt, take names in their land. Other tribes, they had abundant rivers. They had uh, vineyards. They had a pasture land. And they were to be blessed by God in their land. So the way God funds kings and priests is different. And you need to become skillful with your kingly anointing. Are you with me? Well, I hope you got something out of that. I probably have 30 pages of notes here and touched part of one and part of two. And there's a lot there. I said, there's a lot there. Again, it's like I said at the very opening of this series, prospering with God is not hard, but there is a lot to know. We've got to learn. Amen. Will you stand up on your feet with me, honey, if you could come to the keyboard? Yeah, we're going to get...